0: Welcome to CX Chat with Matt and Simon, our podcast series on all things customer experience. Each week we talk about some of the hottest topics and biggest issues facing CX professionals right now and invite special guests to join our discussions. My name's Simon Thorpe, and as ever I'm joined by my colleague Matthew Dyer. Matty, how the hell are you this week?
1: Simon, I'm great actually. It's been a long week, been a lot of Zoom calls, so I am experiencing a little bit of Zoom fatigue, but the backgrounds that some of the people are putting up are quite amusing and making the experience a little bit more pleasurable.
0: Have you worked out how to turn yourself into a potato yet?
1: Not yet. The best background I had was the Spice Girls were doing a kind of a a pub quiz last week, so that's probably as far as I've got so far.
0: (laughs) Nice, nice. Uh, Now, on the podcast this week, we are delighted uh, to be joined by a man who very simply has done it all, holding executive leadership roles in retail, outsourcing, travel, financial services, utilities, insurance. Uh, I think it's safe to say that what this man doesn't know about the contact center industry and the CX industry is probably not worth knowing. He's also a terrific fella, a great mate, and in my opinion, one of the best people to go on a night out with. Um, It's Jonathan George. How are you, Jonathan? I'm
2: I'm great, uh, great. I'm really pleased to participate in today's podcast. Certainly uh, hearing that story of over to go around uh, Zoom uh, reminds me of a Zoom call I had last week where uh, bizarrely um, the uh, individual who was on the Zoom call with had a beard similar to a ZZ Top singer uh, combined with a pub background. So it was quite a, a surreal, surreal conference.
0: It's, everyone's trying to outdo themselves now, aren't they? It's uh, it's become more about what the background is and what the uh, what the dress up is than the actual content of the Zoom conference call. I'm finding at the moment. Well, a big welcome. Thank you for joining us, Jonathan. Yeah, no, um, absolutely, uh, we're absolutely. delighted, delighted to have you uh, have you on here. And I, um, I I also think that you and Matty will get on famously.
1: Yeah. And on that point, it sounds like you've done a lot within the CX industry, which you're going to talk about in a minute. But what I would like to know is, you seem to know Simon pretty well. What is the best story you could tell our listeners about him? Do you know what, actually, Matt?
2: It's interesting because uh, if I was to reflect uh, on the time that I've known Simon, uh, Simon I think um, yeah, it's probably over 20 years and I think if I was to share any stories it would probably end a few careers a bit, probably including mine <laughs> I'll,
1: I'll, I'll, that. I'll take the maybe you maybe can get a beer at some point and you can tell me all about it
0: <laughs> I, I'm going to move us on very swiftly before we all get into trouble because uh, yeah. yes there are some stories but certainly not for the airwaves um, so no, thank you for if that a, question
2: if there was a um, a, a hangover four then I think, I think we'd be starring in it I think <laughs>
1: no, oh, no, I, I am interested.): <laughs>
0: uh, uh, Right. I'm uh, moving us on. Um, uh, one of the things I really wanted to do, Jonathan, given you've had such a diverse background, um, is just start off by um, uh, getting you to explain a, a little bit more about what you're up to at the moment, because it's, it's really topical um, to where we are um, right now in terms of the, the landscape of the world.
2: Yeah, no, it it wasn't by design, in fact. So, some years ago, I established a um, consultancy, Transformation Now, which helps organizations deliver transformation and better outcomes for their people and their customers. And um, in recent months, so in October of last year, I've moved into the biotech industry, uh, and life science of biotech has become particularly topical, um, given COVID-19. And the organization I work for actually provides... All of the tools reagents the, the essential suppose, ingredients to help scientists to you know uncover uh, new discoveries um, undertake diagnostics or, or undertake research so given where we are uh, and having moved into that industry uh, I'm, I'm really busy uh, but secondly um, I think I, I feel I feel as though actually um, really part of obviously helping um organisations or or, uh, universities um, and and organisations find, hopefully find, a cure for for our current challenge.
0: That must be really satisfying. And actually, that really... It's a nice segue onto the the topic that we're going to be talking about on the podcast um, today, because what we thought would be a really nice thing to cover, given your background, um, is uh, some of the kind of top tips for CX transformation, some of the pitfalls to avoid, and and how to make an impact fast. So, so I mean, we've we've all all three of us have been in the uh, the industry for probably more years than we care to mention. Um, CX transformation is always. Um, uh, on most people's lips in terms of of having an impact on the organization um but you've probably had more experience than most jonathan just to start this when you go into a business what what does your first i don't know first three months first 90 days typically look like do you do you have a plan or does that vary wildly depending on on the remit or the sector or how it works
2: Yeah. So what I would say is regardless of the sector, the the most important aspect to all of the transformation programs I've led has been about being able to listen, being able to connect both with customers and employees to really understand what are the opportunities, what are the things that are working, what are the things that aren't working. Um, And because I'm moving into industries which are traditionally require, you know, you've got to have had years of uh, experience in the industry, or you've got to have particular qualifications, even obviously the one I'm in now where a lot of the individuals I work with day to day, including the operational teams, uh, many of them will have a PhD. Um, so so I think where I've, I've had success is being able to certainly be able to build relationships very quickly and, and build trust. And therefore, then people are more engaged to be able to share and be open about what they believe uh, are the things that need fixing, and what are the things that actually are really making a positive difference to the organization.
1: So, Jonathan, are you saying that you need to raise what you've learned before and what has worked for you in the past because it's irrelevant to every business you go into?
2: Well, interestingly, I think I, I suppose the, 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 what I've learned is that everybody turns up to, to their, 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 their job, their, their role, to do, to do the best that they, they can do. Nobody turns up to do a bad job. So in a sense, it's in everybody's interest. If there's somebody actually willing to listen to them to help them fix the things that have either got stuck or the things that are making their job harder, then they tend to be more open. And I think what I've learned, and I actually learned this, you know, through through through, uh, through error, through personal error, is you can't go in and then start to sh- share what it's like elsewhere or. You know better because that will then switch quite obviously. That will switch people off. So I think recognizing that you're not the expert, giving individuals the voice and the um, the the ability to believe well, to to actually demonstrate that they are the expert. And I think because you have that willingness and openness, it then uh, I suppose allows individuals then to 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 be quite candid. Um, And they're candid with somebody who they haven't got a long established relationship, working relationship with. Um, but what I found that has actually uh, been particularly successful for me and has allowed me then to to transform at pace and uh, be able to address challenges and issues that have been ingrained in organizations for some time
0: do you do you go about it in a different way depending on what what the remit is for the for the role so uh, and what I mean by that is you 're a really gregarious person and you know it i I haven't necessarily seen you in the first three months of of going in, but people warm to you very quickly, Jonathan. Um, And I just wonder whether you have to change that personality depending on whether, um, you know, you know, coming down the line, you may have to make some tough decisions, read things like redundancies or cost saving. Does that alter your, um, how you go about it and how you build relationships and dynamics with um, people that are working for you or with you?
2: In fact, Simon, I think that the fundamentals uh, are, are always the same because I think it's always essential to be able to establish that strong rapport, strong trust. Um, because no, no matter what, if you if you going to make difficult difficult decisions in the future, you still need they still need to be under underpinned with data. They still need to be underpinned with um, insight and experience from the, the teams that you're actually working alongside. So I, I think that, that that building strong trust is particularly critical. And then I think com- combined with no matter what change that you're driving, be that um, consolidation of locations where you need to save significant cost or where you're looking to introduce new technology, which could eventually mean that there's going to be a people consequence, you've still got to... Build the buy-in from the teams. You've still got to learn from them, and also knowledge transfer. So I think that that framework of building strong trust still is actually a component part, no matter you know what transformation you, you're leading.
1: Yeah, I think definitely the consistency and approach is um, received well from employees. When I kind of managed out in Singapore. Uh, The culture is very much around kind of seeing you as the leader and coming across in a certain way. So as long as they understand that and you don't change the way you operate in the good times and the bad times, you feel that you get a good reaction from that
2: you touched on a really good point because I've led over the years global teams, um, and I think what, what I've what I've learned certainly um, with teams that I've led over in Asia is that there is a real sort of cultural expectation around trust. So you you can you know, if you make some I suppose some some slip ups uh, around trust in the, in the early days, then that will make your ability to transform far harder. Um, and I think, you know, we, we use the word transformation an awful lot. You know, to my mind, I always think of things about, it's more about optimization, because, it, you know, whilst obviously you're, you're delivering change, you're delivering change to actually improve things, so it's actually making things better. So I always, I always see a uh, transformation program as my ability to optimize a particular aspect or element across people, process, and technology for an organization.
0: In terms of trying to engage with the leadership, Jonathan, um, and this comes back, I suppose, to the, the the transforming and succeeding fast. What have you got? Any tips you share you can share with how to how to build a really strong engagement with someone like uh, a CEO. Um, uh, because that's often what I what I think is one of the key problems is that people don't have that rapport or that level of engagement, and and that can often be why transformation programs fail. But how, how have you gone about doing doing that and building those kind of uh, uh, kind of expectations?
2: I suppose part of it starts it before you join an organisation because you're actually starting to establish uh, a working relationship as part of the selection process um, or, or moving when moving into. The, the consultancy I, I now lead um, you you've obviously you've got to have um, chemistry because obviously ultimately you're going to make be making some fundamental proposal proposed changes or changes for an organization so I think it starts right before you you, you cross the threshold of an organization and then I think um, what what' what's particularly critical is that being able to Un- uncover what, what, what the actual um, uh, way in which you would address the challenge that you've been set or actually being able to diagnose um, what the business needs to resolve or, or improve or transform to mm-hmm. achieve the outcome that's being, being expected. Um, certainly in, in, my, in recent years, I've worked for a number of organisations who have wanted me to help them sell their organisation to a new owner the route to do that certainly wasn't clear before I was in the organization, but on joining, I was able then to help, to help that organization be able to transform from a being more and more optimizing their costs uh, and consolidating the, the number of sites they had, combined with introducing a service delivery model that was aligned to um, what their customers wanted and what their people had identified as being the, the Key characteristics um, that would deliver the best service for customers, and that then that being able to articulate that vision um, to to the CEO, what was I suppose the the, um, the, the important aspect?
1: Are the expectations of the CEO, um, I guess, too great sometimes in terms of what they're expecting you to achieve, and how do you set expectation around what you're going to deliver?
2: Yeah, I think I, I, I learned an interesting phrase some years ago um, and I suppose propose uh, a number of, of options. You can recommend what, what one of those options should be. And then sometimes if you get into that place of actually the CEO would like to go down a different route, um, you know, it's always important then, well, by choosing that route, there are some additional risks uh, that, we would, that we would potentially encounter. So I think it's been really transparent. And what the risks are? Um, should, should there should there be a, a different approach being asked for? Um, and then I, I also think you know when when you reach a point of disagreement, there are always elements of of where you agree, and typically it's more about the how. So it's then being able to try and find a route through that, which means it addresses and delivers what the CEO is expecting whilst doesn't actually unpick or actually create significant risk to the way in which that obviously you, you believe fundamentally how you should actually deliver the transformation programme.
0: Do you here's here's something that bugs me and I, I'm interested in both your views. So I don't I, I very rarely have much contact with a CEO, um he she that runs a, a business, um, particularly on the scale of the operations that you've um, worked in, Jonathan. But um do you think that in general, CEOs really value customer experience and, and have made that, that kind of mental leap between CX and what that can deliver in terms of profits and um, uh, loyalty and all those sorts of things? Or does it still fundamentally come down to cost and um, you know, sales and, and, and the kind of standard measures that we, we all know?
1: I'll leave that um, one to Jonathan to answer.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Too, too kind. Um, yeah. So, I, do you know what? I I've seen a real mix uh, over my career, and where I've seen probably a more stronger link um, to um, customer uh, and 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 believing that. Delivering a phenomenal customer experience, an exceptional customer experience is the route to helping our business grow. I've seen that um, more often in um, family uh, owned businesses and family oriented organizations culturally. Um, and also, very recently, in the biotech industry, because it's a, a, a very ethical industry, that there's also a closer affinity because ultimately the service that you're providing is saving lives. So, I think. When there's a far more ethical aspect, um, then I, I see the a greater uh, emphasis uh, on customer, and the family organisations. Just very recently, um, have worked for a um, family-owned retailer, and um, you know that was absolutely um, had a front and centre focus on customer, and as a result of that, that also meant that the price point of their products was never going to go beyond a particular level because fundamentally whilst it could be uh, afforded it, it wasn't the right thing for our customers because the, 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 as far as the customers were concerned um we only wanted to charge price point that was that was fair and um, allowed us to make uh, a certain level of profit
0: that's really interesting I, yeah having that perspective I'd, i would never have thought of actually i would because I talk a lot about, the, you know, the links between, you know, making that leap between an NPS score and, and, you know, the like, the propensity to spend more money and those sorts of things. So I, I would have thought that it would have been maybe more of the, the you know, the, the corporate businesses that are in the, the kind of highly competitive environment. So that's an interesting perspective. I'd never thought of it like that.
2: Um, yeah, and I, but I've also, what I've also learned is, you know, if, if you're able to uh, unpick and identify what are the specific measures and specific uh, expectations that you your, your customer loves, and then you're able to dial those up um, significantly. Um, then that's uh, that, that's again goes back to how do you deliver change at pace? Um, then that really really makes a big difference. And certainly in a couple of uh, industries I've worked in, the characteristics around speed, trust, excellence, and prioritising the customer those four aspects. Um, we really dialed up and that then made a massive difference in both NPS and customer loyalty.
1: And, and just in those um, kind of organizations, did you do a lot of primary research in terms of engaging the customers to understand? Was it really just from the feedback that they were providing?
2: No, I, I think um, it, was, it was a number of components. I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast. Fundamentally, you've got to listen to your people and your customers to understand you know, what they love and what they don't love. And then combine that with uh, whatever data that you can tap into. Um, and those, those three three components um, fundamentally allow you to deliver a program of change that um, delivers, I suppose, the, the expected outcomes.
0: Well, what a fantastic discussion we've had on this week's podcast! Um, like we always do to finish every um, recording, we always try and leave our listeners with um, some takeaways. Um, and this week, what we thought we'd do is do the um, the top three um, CX transformation pitfalls or mistakes to avoid. Um, so, Jonathan, would you uh, would you mind um, kicking us off?
2: I will. Um, I think what, what I've what I've learned. I, I think there's a statistic that's out there. That I'm sure, we're all familiar with. You know, circa seventy percent of transformation programs fail. And in my time, where um, organisations deliver transformation well, it, it's meant they've, they've avoided uh, that kind of pitfall where they've they've not they've not undersold the reason for the change. They've really dialed it up and been really clear in why this is important. Why. Um, you know, why there is a sense of urgency, and that's been particularly uh, critical to get to help drive drive the buy-in. I also think another another sort of watch out and pitfall is whilst you might have a fantastic reason for change um, to deliver uh, and deal with that change, you've got to make sure you've got the right skills, people, and capabilities uh, within the organisation. Sometimes organisations will embark upon a particular transformation and actually not have the, the right skill sets. Um, and actually, um, that, that that sometimes can either lead to a transformation failing or actually making it really painful in slow.
1: Yeah, some really good points there. I think from my perspective is once you've kind of done the research, looked at the data, understand, I guess, what the objective is, come, with it, come at it. Come at it from an angle of a minimal lovable product. You're not going to get to the end result straight away. So do the optimization or incrementality as we talked about, or Jonathan talked about at the front end, and give, your, give yourselves the chance to adapt as you go through the process. Um, and that would probably be my main, my main takeaway.
0: Yeah, and I think from my experience, it's, it's also about having a, a kind of vision point. I see lots of transformation programs start with a with the kind of targets being quite vague and the goals being quite vague. I mean, you've fundamentally, got to know in your heart of hearts and have the data to to, to suggest that transformation is needed and it's not going to get you to um, you know the same spot, the same space that you're already in. There's got to be a, a future state goal that is better than you are now. And there has to be some targets and some objectives that you're aiming at that are absolutely crystal clear that will tell you when you've got there. So that's all of our, um, our take-homes for today. Um, I would like to say a huge thank you to Jonathan George for um, being our special guest on the podcast this week. Uh, brilliant contribution. Thank you for being part of it, Jonathan.
2: Thank you. No, I've re- really enjoyed it.
0: Um, and Jonathan, people can find you um, and your company transformation now on LinkedIn. Um, if you want to see um, probably one of the most enviable CVs in the industry, um, go and check Jonathan out. We'll also have him on the, um, his contact details on the, um, the social media and on our pe- uh, podcast page. Um, so, Jonathan, thank you. Matty, as ever, great um, uh, Great pod this week. Uh, yeah, have you enjoyed yeah, it? I
1: enjoyed it. I thought it was brilliant. It's
0: and been thanks, a good one. Jonathan,
1: yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it.
0: We hope you've enjoyed another episode of uh, CX Chat with Matt and Simon. As ever, you can find us on LinkedIn and social. Uh, Thanks ever so much for tuning in.